whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. And then in the book of Revelation, John tells us, and talking about you and I, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, and what else? The word of their testimony. Now at 2 o'clock today, that's when we're going to gather together to take the glow tracks out. Now, now, you need some prep work, okay? You don't want to ever give away literature to anyone that you haven't read yourself. Don't ever do that. You are handing out the greatest invitation and news the world has ever heard. And you want to know it in your heart. And when you hand that glow track out, you want to be able to say, this is something that I really enjoyed reading. I found this very interesting and I just want to share it with you. I'm so excited about what the message is in this. That is contagious. They'll become excited and they'll read it. And who knows, maybe down the road they'll become a missionary and say, here, I found this really exciting. The person who gave it to me was when after I read it, I saw why they were so excited. So if you want a little prep work, you don't have to go in the hall over there and just wait for lunch. Get your glow track and start reading it. So you're all ready when it comes time to go out. And you are all going to be missionaries. Thank you. Yeah, go forward and go backwards. <laughs> all right, another piece of, of uh, work here. On your bulletin, so here's the bulletin. And if you open it up and you turn and you end up in this bottom section here and a bunch of names there. Now, you'd be a rare person if you knew everybody that's on there, every one of those names. And so some of these names, you don't know why they're there. And yet, it, 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 they're looking for us to pray for them. And so another missionary thing that you can do is to find out why are these people's names on this list asking for prayer for themselves? And so if you go down through the list, actually, I was out in front and Kay was standing there and she's doing this tremendous work of greeting people and information. And I just went over and I said, can you tell me about these people? And she took about 10 minutes and told me what each one of those people, what their problem was and what, why they were asking for prayer. Yeah. Isn't that fabulous that she knew all those people and knew what the problem was and what we were praying for. And I think it's important in a church family to know each other enough to know why we're praying for one another and what our needs are. And you know that, that last week in the back of the bulletin, it, I don't think it's in this week, but there was a lady, and I don't remember her name right this moment, but she was saying, I'm a shut-in, and I'd sure like it if people would call me. Now, let, let me just take a moment and, and tell you a, a little short story. I took care of a man once, and I had to visit this man maybe two or three times a week in my process of meeting his needs. And this man was upset to no end. He says, no one visits me from my church. 
He says, you are the only one coming to visit me. Nobody else ever visits me. I've been a member of that church for over 30 years, and nobody's coming to visit me. And he was one of the leaders of the church. And, and so, week after week, he would cry on my shoulder and make huge demands of my time so that, that he could get as much attention as he could from me. And I was there week after week. And he'd always start out, nobody visits me from the church. Well, one day, I have to move down one step. I had it about up to there. <laughs> and, and so I just turned to him, and I think it was inspiration. And I said, how many people did you visit when you were in good health? And he sat there for a moment, and he looked at me, and he said, none. And I said, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. <laughs> we want to know who these people are, and we want to pray for them. But people need visits. They need contact. All right, we're ready to get going here. Let's ask a blessing on God's word as we start. Gracious Father in heaven, this is your word, and Jesus is the word. And the word is important to all of us. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I just ask today that the words that come up on this screen are written from your word, that they will reach our hearts, not just our eyes, and not just our ears, but they will reach our hearts and make us yearn to be like you and to want to be like Jesus so that we might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, our Savior, because this is life eternal. So we thank You for that blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we want to... Uh, what does the Bible say, by the way? Does it say anything important to you? We want to do a little review. Okay, what have we studied? Over the last three weeks, and this is the fourth week, now what have we studied? The first thing we studied was what? The trust and faith issue. Now, the angels of heaven didn't trust the truthfulness of God the Father, the creator of all. Didn't trust him. And that all started because Lucifer started going around and saying little insidious things about God. And they started questioning God and they did not believe and really trust God. They did not have faith that God would do what he said and be what he is. Then we found out that God has a problem. How to deal with Satan and sin and how to put an end to it so that everybody is taken care of. And so we studied about how God takes and had a plan and the plan had three parts, if you remember. Who did God want to save? Well, first he wanted to save those that would raise their hand right now and say, Jesus, I love you, you're my Savior, and I want to go to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And that's the people he, he wanted to help right now. Right now, you're alive and well and, and, and doing God's work. Then the next part is he wanted to do something so that the beings of all the other worlds that were tempted by Satan but never fell so that they might understand the truth about God. 
and not have any doubts or lack of trust in God. That they would have faith that God is doing what is right. And so Jesus went to the cross in our place. And at the cross, he unveiled Satan so that everyone could see the delusions and, and the things about Satan that were causing them to make bad judgments about the character of God. And so then we had one more step, and the final step was all the wicked. How we had to help all the wicked to understand that the devil really did make them do it. I mean, they chose, but he presented the temptations in such a way that it was almost impossible for them not to sin. So, God had the problem. Then we talked about last week, can a dead man sin? What's the answer? So we had a Bible text. And the Bible text is Galatians 2.20. And through this whole week you memorized it. So are you ready? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And thy life that I live now. In the flesh I live by the what? Faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the centrality of the gospel. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live because Christ liveth in me. And now we move to the next part. And the next part is faith is the victory. Whose faith? The faith of Jesus. The faith of Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Because that's, that's the faith that is the most important. Your faith and my faith are all borrowed faith. But the faith of Jesus, that is the faith that every one of us needs and wants. So we, we looked at grace and we saw that grace is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Grace is sufficient for you to overcome every sin. Didn't we deal with that? We did deal with it. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not cause you to be tempted above what you're able, but with every temptation, He will do what? Make a way of escape that you and I may be able to bear it. So that was such a blessing that was. And today we're going to look at Hebrews 11.1, 1, adding to grace faith. We're going to add to the grace. We're going to add faith. We're going to come and look at grace again. But right now we're going to deal with faith. Now faith, that's the Greek word up there, pistis. And it is the conviction of the truthfulness of God. What was the beginning of the problem in sin? They did not trust God. And the next part is reliance upon Christ for salvation. So, if you want to exercise faith, you can't get to heaven without faith. Every one of us, we have to all have faith to get to heaven. <clears throat> it says, now, faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, we're, go we're going to take a look at this verse. Last time I did this, it took seven sermons <laughs> to go through one verse. We're going to do it in two. Can a dead man have faith? 
I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Can a dead man have faith? Absolutely, yes. You must have faith in order to go to the cross. You wouldn't go to the cross if you didn't have faith. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll do what? I'll draw all of you. If, if, some people think it's really, really hard to be saved. The truth is, Jesus is drawing all of us to himself. God in Christ reconciled all the world to himself. And it is not hard to be saved. It is hard to be lost. God is drawing you. What do you have to do to be lost? Put the brakes on. Whoa, God, I don't want to go that way. That he's going to keep drawing. He knows the truth. He knows what eternity is. He knows what he's got planned for all of us. He knows all the wonders and the glory of a sin-free life. The peace and happiness. He knows all that. And he's going to draw all of us as much as he can. And if we want to die a sinner, we have to put on the brakes and fight him. Because love went to the cross to show you God's intent and how serious he was about saving us. And we just read that a moment ago. I'm glad to see that some of you are memorizing it because it's important to memorize. Now, what are the most important texts in this text of Scripture? Hebrews 11.1. 1. If you look at Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Which one of those words is the most important? Is what we're going to deal with. Hebrews 11.1, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many words do you think are important in there? Okay, I'll tell you what I did. I, I, I wanted to differentiate the words so that you'd be able to see which ones are important. So I gave each one of them a different color. Okay, so let, let's take a look at it. Those are the words that are important. And we're going to study every one of those words. And hopefully you're going to learn something you've never known before. And if you've known it, you can finally say, yes, I knew it all along. <laughs> just, just to keep things together here. Okay, so the first word is what? Now. So we're going to look at the word now. And it says, why now? Why not some other time? Why now? Why now faith is the substance of things hoped for? Why now? Why not 10 years ago? Why not 100 years ago? Why not 2,000 years ago at the cross? Why now? We're going to see why. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, and that word means what? Now. Right now. If you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, why now? Because if you hear his voice and you harden your heart, what did you do? You just put on the brakes and told God, stop drawing me. I don't want to be saved. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 6 2. 
For he said, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. What day is the day of salvation? Now. Now. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, when? Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's why now is important. What you've done in the past doesn't matter. I have good news for you. Y'all listening? You are not your past. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are made new. Old things are what? Passed away. You are not your past. God has taken care of your past. So, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Before the cross, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. Okay, now let's look and take a look now. Now. Why now? Revelation 12.10. You see, now was the cross. The cross made the big difference in everything. Up to the cross, the rest of the universe, and all the angels could continue to question God. But at the cross, the death of Jesus, the Son of God, on that cross, made a statement. And it said, now. Now, when he died on the cross, something happened that concerns you and I very much. And we need to know about it. It's found in Revelation 12, 10 to 12. And it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now is come salvation. When did salvation come? At the cross. You remember the song, don't you? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. Receive. And now I am happy all the day. Okay, so now is come salvation and strength. Didn't we talk about strength last week? My grace is sufficient for you. There isn't anything. My God shall supply all your needs. You have all the strength you need to overcome any and every sin that comes in your life. And strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. Now watch this. For the accuser of our brethren is what? Cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Satan was totally defeated at the cross. He is a conquered enemy. He has no strength to do anything. The only way he can do anything is when you and I say, come on, you can do it to me, I don't care. When you give him permission, but if you don't give him permission, he can't touch you. So the choice is yours. Just remember, the choice is yours. Now watch this. And they overcame by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. And I have a footnote in there. 
and we'll look at the footnote in a moment. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Why? And of the sea. Why? Why woe to us when Jesus died on the cross? For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows he has but a short time. You see, up, up to that moment, he was really busy doing other things. But when Jesus conquered him, totally defeated him, demonstrated that there is no reason for sin, and that every one of us can be victorious in Jesus, when he did that, that was a woe, woe, woe for Satan. And he is cast down to this earth, and he knows he only has a short time. Seems like a long time to us, 2,000 years. But 1,000 years with the Lord is like a, a day, right? Like the passing in the night. So let's go on. The, the little footnote is talking about the terms of discipleship. Remember the Bible text said, and they love not their lives unto what? Death. Death. Okay, so that is the terms of the discipleship. And we'll see how that works. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. When is that? Now, now and follow me. So you and I have to die daily to sell if we want to be overcomers in the battle with sin. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same will save it. Does that take trust to give your life over to God? You know, Jesus didn't make any plans for any day. He Every day he, he got up in the morning and praised his father and accepted the unfolding of God's plans for him for that day. That was all he did. And if you and I do that every day, make a surrender to God, ask him for full power in our lives, he will turn on a faucet that you won't be able to carry and, and all the water of truth and life and goodness that he puts into you and the work he gives you to do. For what is a man advantaged if he gained the whole world and lose himself and be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come into his own glory and in the fathers and the holy angels. So, what are we doing with now? We're talking about now and why now? Acts 17.30 And in times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now, when? Now. Right now. He's commanding every one of us out here to do what? Repent. repent. Well, I don't need to repent. I'm a pastor. The rest of you can work on that. Is that, does that, is that what it says? He commands every single one of us to repent. And maybe pastors more than anybody because some of the things we say that our shoe gets in our mouth. Only. But anyway, God is commanding. 
not inviting, He's commanding. He's commanding you and I to do what? To repent. Why? Why is now the time that I have to repent? I repented last night. Why do I have to do it again this morning? Because when I repented last night, Satan didn't die. And maybe some of self inside me didn't die either. And so I need to continually be surrendering to God so He can take care of all sin in my life. And that's what He's promised to do. My God shall supply all my needs and my needs are to get rid of all sin. What is faith? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You, you all know this verse. Faith is reliance upon Christ for salvation. Is that hard to do? I showed you last week from Romans 5 where it says what? It says that we are reconciled by his death, 5.10. Reconciled by his death and daily delivered from sin's dominion by his resurrected life living where? In me. I am crucified with Christ. I must have died. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. How many of you want salvation? Is Christ living in you? You won't make it any other way. It takes a total and complete surrender. And when you give that total and complete surrender, then God really takes a hold of you. And he makes it real, what we read. So reliance upon Christ for salvation, that's what faith is. Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now how many of you would choose Elvis Presley as your savior? Michael Jackson. President Obama. How many of you would, would pick anybody other than Jesus? Who has been through everything for your behalf? Jesus. Who suffered every temptation? Jesus. Who overcame every temptation? Jesus. When you are picking a captain for your team, who do you want? Jesus. You want the one that's going to really make the thing work. Matter of fact, I was checking the date. I, I, I want to read you this. It just take a moment. Probably take two moments to find it. Back this way. Well, I know it's in here. We'll just take a moment. Everyone take a deep breath. That's right. Okay. This is called, Pick the Right Man for Your Team. 
Now, the coach asked the former quarterback of his winning team to help him recruit for the next season. Sure, coach, what kind of player are you looking for? Well, said the coach, there's that player that when you knock him down, he always stays down. Well, we don't want him, do we? No, no, you're right. And then he says, then there's that player where you knock him down, and he gets back up again, and you knock him down again, and he stays there. Well, we don't want him either, do we? No. He says, now there's that player, you knock him down. He gets up, you knock him down. He gets up, you knock him down. You just keep knocking him down. He keeps getting up. That's the one, coach. That's the one we want. No, no, we don't want him either. I want you to go out and find that man that keeps knocking him down. <laughs> now, here's the lesson. Today, in the game of life, when you're picking the man to lead your team, when you're putting together what you hope will be the winning combination, don't settle for second best. Pick the man that is knocking the opponents down repeatedly. Pick the Lord Jesus. He's never lost a game. He never tires of knocking down your opponent, Satan. And he knocks him right off his feet every time. He is the winning player. And you can be on the winning team if you choose Jesus for your captain. Amen. Be sure of this one thing. The day is coming when he will run the ball over the line for the last touchdown. He'll kick the winning field goal. And the stands will erupt with whistles and shouts of victory. And you'll be on the winning team for how long? Forever. The team owner himself will give you the victor's trophy, a crown of everlasting life, and place the winner's ring on your finger. And that's, that's not this big football thing they do every year. What do they call that? Super Bowl. They don't even, that's children's play. When Jesus finishes up, and for all eternity, you'll wear his ring with joy. Pick the best man. Pick the only totally victorious captain for your team. Pick Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. Never loses a battle. Therefore, he is able. Who is able? Jesus is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. Is he drawing you? Yes. And if he's drawing you, he's going to make you the winner. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling. When is he able to keep you from falling? Now. now. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This is just about the time when every man and every woman can just kind of look at each other again, husbands and wives, and he can nod and say, See there? He's going to present me faultless. <laughs> to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both when? Now. And you know what about eternity? It's always what? Now. Eternity is always now. There's no ending, no beginning. It's just always now. Faith, the conviction of the truthfulness of God. What is the, oh, the whole issue of sin? It's over the truthfulness of God. 
Can you trust God? And so faith is learning to have the conviction of the truthfulness of God. By the way, conviction is a very special word. You have principle and you have preference. But you have to have conviction. You see, when you have preference, that means you prefer to do something over something else. I have a preference for Sabbath, so I come here every Sabbath. That won't save me. Matter of fact, coming come in on Sabbath doesn't save anybody. But obeying Jesus Christ saves everybody. And that's one of the commandments that he said. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's one of the commandments. But just rotely coming to church every Sabbath is not what saves you. What saves you is Jesus Christ. That's what saves you. And so I have a preference for coming to church on Sabbath. If I don't come to church on Sabbath by principle, I'm going to be lost. You hear what I say? I have to have a conviction of principle. A conviction is something you die for. Are you willing to die? You willing to die? I'm talking about physically die. Are you willing to die for your conviction? That coming week after week on Sabbath is what God commanded you to do? When you have that as a conviction, then you're on your way to the eternal life. But if it's just a preference, you need to re-examine your whole life. And you need to make a serious decision. Because the time is coming, and God calls it the time of trouble. When there's going to, the issue is going to be plain. Between those who keep the commandments of God and those who keep them not. And the whole sign of the issue will be the seventh day Sabbath, which God calls my holy day. And he tells us that we are to observe the seventh day Sabbath. But the world observes the first day Sabbath in their mind. Are you willing to die when they come in and say, okay, everyone that's Seventh Day Adventist, you're going to die. Today we're going to put up firing squad. Are you ready to die? That's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. So we... It, if you're not serious about your own salvation, then I don't know what, what you have to look forward to. When you become a Bible-believing person, you need to be very serious. It is your salvation that's at stake. God wants to save everybody. He's provided free salvation for everybody. But you have to choose. God is not a man. Do you trust God? God is not a man that he should lie. Do you really trust him? Everything he says? God's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? Do you trust God? 
The whole issue. Faith. Why is every man given a measure of faith? There's the answer. Because we can't do it on our own. If, he, if we could have done it on our own, God wouldn't have sent Jesus. But you and I cannot do it on our own, and so therefore we need a measure of faith. And faith is not what you think about God. Faith is something that caused Jesus to go all the way through the cross without a mediator. That's what faith is. And what's going to take you all the way through the time of trouble? The same thing. A measure of Jesus' faith. Why is every man given a measure of faith? Because God says he's going to supply what? All your needs. So you and I have a need for faith. And why is every man given a measure of faith? Faith is the reliance on what? Jesus for salvation. So you and I have to fall in love with Jesus. Why do we need a measure of faith? Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. For your heavenly Father knows what? He knows what things you have need of before you even ask him. You are given ample faith to overcome every sin and to face everything that you need to deal with in life. Every temptation, every single trait of character, God gives you sufficient grace to deal with that issue. Why is every man given a measure of faith? Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. Okay, so it's impossible for you and I to please God on our own. We need faith. Where do we get it from? God supplies it. He meets our every need and, and he supplies everything we need. And he draws us so that we'll come to him and get the things that we need. But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe... That means to have faith and trust God. Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Come study the Bible with me for the best is yet to be. Those are just the first two words of that whole verse. But faith. Thank you. But now, now faith is. Okay? Wait until you get the is. <laughs> now, faith. That's all we looked at this morning. Who cares? I do. I do. do you care? Yes. Amen. Luke 4.4. 4. Here's why I care. Here's why I care. Because God said... And Jesus answered, saying, it is written. Some people don't know where it's written. It's written in Deuteronomy 8.3. So if you want to go back and see where Jesus is quoting from, you know, a lot of people think that Jesus only used the New Testament when he was on the earth. I see you understand. So in Deuteronomy... 8.3 says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is what man shall live by. 
And so you and I, in, in the book Great Controversy, there's a little statement, it's just one little sentence, and it says, none but those who have fortified their minds with the truth of the Bible will be able to stand through the last great conflict. How many of you want to stand through the last great conflict without giving in to Satan at all? And because we want to do that, we have to memorize Scripture. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Is is going to be great fun waiting until you get the substance. Yeah. <laughs> that is going to be an eye-opener for you. Desire of Ages. Pages what? Let's take a look. Oh, by the way, I love saying that, don't you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, let's look. Oh, oh, got to say this too? Okay. Now in James it says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You choose. Thank you, Jesus. What command is a promise? Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This command is a promise. The Holy Spirit always separates the contrite soul from sin. That's a promise. Isn't that fabulous? Oh, I love it. Jesus loves you and so do I. And that's all there is to that. But I want to share one more thing with you. First of all, how many of you know that right over here is a prayer room? About half of you raise your hand. And after this service is done, over in that room, Harold will be there. And, and Harold is a man that loves going to the throne of grace. He loves petitioning God because he's seen answers to prayer. And he'll be there. And he'll be looking for you and I to come in and seek the Lord with him and ask special blessings of God. Don't blame me. When we come to the end of the road, we stand before our maker to give account for this life. What shall be the tone of the discussion between God and us? I can hear it now. Good morning, God. I'd like to come live with you for all eternity. You see, I heard that it was said that you loved the world so much, and that's me, I'm the world, uh, that you gave your only son to die for me, and I can have eternal life. Well, let's see, my child. I see that you called me master, but you never obeyed me. You called me the light, but you never saw me. You called me the way, but you never walked in it. You called me the life, but you lived me not. You called me wise, but you followed me not. You called me fair, even the fairest of 10,000, but you loved me not. You called me rich, and you asked me not. And now you call me eternal and see me not. 
Is it not only fair, then, if I condemn you, that you blame me not? It's true. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now is the time to make things right with God. Because now he is your lawyer. You get that? Now is the time. Now he's your lawyer. The next time after this, he is your judge. When do you want to see him? Today or manana? Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. If you have a special need, only between you and the Lord, some special temptation that keeps overcoming you. You don't have to say what it is, but go in the prayer room. There's power when people come together to pray. There's power. And, and as you go in the prayer room, there will be other prayer warriors there, people who have experienced a lot of things with God in prayer. And they're in there to serve you and I in our needs. So don't, don't carry burdens you don't need to carry. Just turn them over to Jesus. Go in the prayer room. Ask Jesus for the blessings that he wants to just pour out upon you. He'll, he'll pour them out. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you very much. And he gave his life to prove it. Let's pray. Our gracious, loving Father, the love that Jesus displayed as he walked the earth is the love of the Father. And he said he came to show us the Father. Father, we pray right now the burden of sin that overcomes so many of us so easily. We pray that you will give us the blessings that we need to trust you and to exercise the faith of Jesus that you have given to us as a gift. I just ask for your very special blessings upon all of us here in this room now and upon our children and our grandchildren. I pray that you will not forget your promises to us, but that you will lead us and draw us closer to Jesus than we've ever been before, and we will truly come to know him as our Savior and as our best friend, a friend so good that he would give his life for us. Bless this people, I pray. Bless them richly is my prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people agreed, amen. amen.